Chapter Eleven, Part Two of Paul Clifford by Edward Bulwer Lytton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven, Part Two. While the affectionate matron was thus running on, Lucy's eye, glancing round the room, discovered in an armchair the round and oily little person of Doctor Slopperton, with a countenance from which all the carnation hues save in one circular excrescence on the nasal member that was left like the last rose of summer blooming alone were faded into an aspect of miserable pallor the little man tried to conjure up a smile while his wife was narrating his misfortune and to mutter forth some syllable of unconcern but he looked for all his bravado so exceedingly scared that lucy would despite herself have laughed outright had not her eye rested upon the figure of a young man who had been seated beside the reverend gentleman but who had risen at lucy's entrance and who now stood gazing upon her intently but with an air of great respect blushing deeply and involuntarily she turned her eyes hastily away and approaching the good doctor made her inquiries into the present state of his nerves in a graver tone than she had a minute before imagined it possible that she should have been enabled to command ah my good young lady said the doctor squeezing her hand i may i may say the church for am i not its minister was in imminent danger but this excellent gentleman prevented the sacrilege at least in great measure i only lost some of my dues my rightful dues for which i console myself with thinking that the infamous and abandoned villain will suffer hereafter there cannot be the least doubt of that said the young man had he only robbed the mail-coach or broken into a gentleman's house the offence might have been expiable but to rob a clergyman and a rector too oh the sacrilegious dog your warmth does you honour sir said the doctor beginning now to recover and i am very proud to have made the acquaintance of a gentleman of such truly religious opinions ah cried the stranger my foible sir if i may so speak is a sort of enthusiastic fervour for the protestant establishment nay sir i never come across the very nave of the church without feeling an indescribable emotion a kind of sympathy as it were with with you understand me sir i fear i express myself ill not at all not at all exclaimed the doctor such sentiments are uncommon in one so young sir i learned them early in life from a friend and preceptor of mine mr magrawler and i trust they may continue with me to my dying day here the doctor's servant entered with we borrow a phrase from the novel of blank blank the tea equipage and mrs slopperton betaking herself to its superintendence inquired with more composure than hitherto had belonged to her demeanour what sort of a looking creature the ruffian was i will tell you my dear i will tell you miss lucy all about it i was walking home from mr slowforth's with his money in my pocket thinking my love of buying you that topaz cross you wished to have dear good man cried mrs slopperton what a fiend it must have been to rob so excellent a creature and resumed the doctor it also occurred to me that the madeira was nearly out 
the madeira i mean with the red seal and i was thinking it might not be amiss to devote part of the money to buy six dozen more and the remainder my love which would be about one pound eighteen i thought i would divide for he that giveth to the poor lendeth to the lord among the thirty poor families on the common that is if they behaved well and the apples in the back garden were not feloniously abstracted excellent charitable man ejaculated mrs slopperton while i was thus meditating i lifted my eyes and saw before me two men one of prodigious height and with a great profusion of hair about his shoulders the other was smaller and wore his hat slouched over his face it was a very large hat my attention was arrested by the singularity of the tall person's hair and while i was smiling at its luxuriance i heard him say to his companion well augustus as you are such a moral dog he is in your line not mine so i leave him to you little did i think those words related to me no sooner were they uttered than the tall rascal leaped over a gate and disappeared the other fellow then marching up to me very smoothly asked me the way to the church and while i was explaining to him to turn first to the right and then to the left and so on for the best way is you know exceedingly crooked the hypocritical scoundrel seized me by the collar and cried out your money or your life i do assure you that i never tremble so much not my dear miss lucy so much for my own sake as for the sake of the thirty poor families on the common whose wants it had been my intention to relieve i gave up the money finding my prayers and expostulations were in vain and the dog then brandishing over my head an enormous bludgeon said what abominable language i think doctor i shall put an end to an existence derogatory to yourself and useless to others at that moment the young gentleman beside me sprang over the very gate by which the tall ruffian had disappeared and cried hold villain on seeing my deliverer the coward started back and plunged into a neighbouring wood the good young gentleman pursued him for a few minutes but then returning to my aid conducted me home and as we used to say at school te redise in columen gaudio which being interpreted means sir excuse a pun i am sure so great a friend to the church understands latin that i am very glad to get back safe to my tea he he and now miss lucy you must thank that young gentleman for having saved the life of your pastoral teacher which act will no doubt be remembered at the great day as lucy looking towards the stranger said something in compliment she observed a vague and as it were covert smile upon his countenance which immediately and as if by sympathy conjured one to her own the hero of the adventure however in a very grave tone replied to her compliment at the same time bowing profoundly mention it not madame i were unworthy of the name of a briton and a man could i pass the highway without relieving the distress or lightening the burden of a fellow-creature and continued the stranger after a momentary pause colouring while he spoke and concluding in the high-flown gallantry of the day methinks it were sufficient reward had i saved the whole church instead of one of its most valuable members to receive the thanks of a lady whom i might reasonably take for one of those celestial beings to whom we have been piously taught that the church is especially the care 
though there might have been something really ridiculous in this overstrained compliment coupled as it was with the preservation of dr slopperton yet coming from the mouth of one whom lucy thought the very handsomest person she had ever seen it appeared to her anything but absurd and for a very long time afterwards her heart thrilled with pleasure when she remembered that the cheek of the speaker had glowed and his voice had trembled as he spoke it the conversation now turning from robbers in particular dwelt upon robberies in general it was edifying to hear the honest indignation with which the stranger spoke of the lawless depredators with whom the country in that day of macheaths was infested a pack of infamous rascals said he in a glow who attempt to justify their misdeeds by the example of honest men and who say that they do no more than is done by lawyers and doctors soldiers clergymen and ministers of state pitiful delusion or rather shameless hypocrisy it all comes of educating the poor said the doctor the moment they pretend to judge the conduct of their betters there's an end of all order they see nothing sacred in the laws though we hang the dogs ever so fast and the very peers of the land spiritual and temporal cease to be venerable in their eyes talking of peers said mrs slopperton i hear that lord mauleverer is to pass by this road to-night on his way to mauleverer park do you know his lordship miss lucy he is very intimate with your uncle i have only seen him once answered lucy are you sure that his lordship will come this road asked the stranger carelessly i heard something of it this morning but did not know it was settled oh quite so rejoined mrs slopperton his lordship's gentleman wrote for post-horses to meet his lordship at wyburn about three miles on the other side of the village at ten o'clock to-night his lordship is very impatient of delay pray said the doctor who had not much heeded this turn in the conversation and was now on hospitable cares intent pray sir if not impertinent are you visiting or lodging in the neighbourhood or will you take a bed with us you are extremely kind my dear sir but i fear i must soon wish you good evening i have to look after a little property i have some miles hence which indeed brought me down into this part of the world property in what direction sir if i may ask quoth the doctor i know the country for miles do you indeed where's my property you say why it is rather difficult to describe it and it is after all a mere trifle it is only some common land near the high road and i came down to try the experiment of hedging and draining tis a good plan if one has capital and does not require a speedy return yes but one likes a good interest for the loss of principal and a speedy return is always desirable although alas it is often attended with risk i hope sir said the doctor if you must leave us so soon that your property will often bring you into our neighbourhood you overpower me with so much unexpected goodness answered the stranger to tell you the truth nothing can give me greater pleasure than to meet those again who have once obliged me whom you have obliged rather cried mrs slopperton and then added in a loud whisper to lucy how modest but it is always so with true courage i assure you madame returned the benevolent stranger that i never think twice of the little favours i render my fellow-men my only hope is that they may be as forgetful as myself 
charmed with so much unaffected goodness of disposition the doctor and mrs slopperton now set up a sort of duet in praise of their guest after enduring their commendations and compliments for some minutes with much grimace of disavowal and diffidence the stranger's modesty seemed at last to take pain at the excess of their gratitude and accordingly pointing to the clock which was within a few minutes to nine he said i fear my respected host and my admired hostess that i must now leave you i have far to go but are you yourself not afraid of the highwaymen cried mrs slopperton interrupting him the highwaymen said the stranger smiling no i do not fear them besides i have little about me worth robbing do you superintend your property yourself said the doctor who farmed his own glebe and who unwilling to part with so charming a guest seized him now by the button superintend it myself why not exactly there is a bailiff whose views of things don't agree with mine and who now and then gives me a good deal of trouble then why don't you discharge him altogether ah i wish i could but tis a necessary evil we landed proprietors my dear sir must always be plagued with something of the sort for my part i have found those cursed bailiffs would take away if they could all the little property one has been trying to accumulate but abruptly changing his manner into one of great softness could i not proffer my services and my companionship to this young lady would she allow me to conduct her home and indeed stamp this day upon my memory as one of the few delightful ones i have ever known thank you dear sir said mrs slopperton answering at once for lucy it is very considerate of you and i am sure my love i could not think of letting you go home alone with old john after such an adventure to the poor dear doctor lucy began an excuse which the good lady would not hear but as the servant whom mr brandon was to send with a lantern to attend his daughter home had not arrived and as mrs slopperton despite her prepossessions in favour of her husband's deliverer did not for a moment contemplate his accompanying without any other attendance her young friend across the fields at that unseasonable hour the stranger was forced for the present to reassume his seat an open harpsichord at one end of the room gave him an opportunity to make some remark upon music and this introducing an eulogium on lucy's voice from mrs slopperton necessarily ended in a request to miss brandon to indulge the stranger with the song never had lucy who was not a shy girl she was too innocent to be bashful felt nervous hitherto in singing before a stranger but now she hesitated and faltered and went through a whole series of little natural affectations before she complied with the request she chose a song composed somewhat after the old english school which at that time was reviving into fashion the song though conveying a sort of conceit was not perhaps altogether without tenderness it was a favourite with lucy she scarcely knew why and ran thus lucy's song why sleep ye gentle flowers ah why when tender eve is falling and starlight drinks the happy sigh of winds to fairies calling calling with low and plaining note most like a ring-dove chiding or flute faint heard from distant boat or smoothest waters gliding low round you steals the wooing breeze low on you falls the dew o oh, sweets awake for scarcely these can charm 
while wanting you wake ye not yet while fast below the silver time is fleeing o heart of mine those flowers but show thine own contented being the twilight but preserves the bloom the sun can but decay the warmth that brings the rich perfume but steals the life away o heart enjoy thy present calm rest peaceful in the shade and dread the sun that gives the balm to bid the blossom fade when lucy ended the stranger's praise was less loud than either the doctor's or his lady's but how far more sweet it was and for the first time in her life lucy made the discovery that eyes can praise as well as lips for our part we have often thought that that discovery is an epoch in life it was now that mrs lopperton declared her thorough conviction that the stranger himself could sing he had that about him she said which made her sure of it indeed dear madame said he with his usual undefinable half frank half latent smile my voice is but so-so and any memory so indifferent that even in the easiest passages i soon come to a stand my best notes are in the falsetto and as for my execution but we won't talk of that nay nay you are so modest said mrs slopperton i am sure you could oblige us if you would your command said the stranger moving to the harpsichord is all sufficient and since you madame turning to lucy have chosen a song after the old school may i find pardon if i do the same my selection is to be sure from a lawless song-book and is supposed to be a ballad by robin hood or at least one of his merry men a very different sort of outlaws from the knaves who attack you sir with this preface the stranger sung to a wild yet jovial air with a tolerable voice the following effusion the love of our profession or the robber's life on the stream of the world the robber's life is borne on the blithest wave now it bounds into light in a gladsome strife now it laughs in its hiding cave at his maiden's lattice he stays the rain how still is his courser proud but still as a wind when it hangs o'er the main in the breast of the boding cloud with the champed bit and the arched crest and the eye of a listening deer like valour fretful most in rest least chafed when in career fit slave to a lord whom all else refuse to save at his desperate need by my troth i think one whom the world pursues hath a right to a gallant steed away my beloved i hear their feet i blow thee a kiss my fair and i promise to bring thee when next we meet a braid for thy bonny hair hurrah for the booty my steed hurrah through bush through brake go we and the coy moon smiles on our merry way like my own love timidly the parson he rides with a jingling pouch how it blabs of the rifle poor the courtier he laws in his gilded coach how it smacks of a sinecure the lawyer revolves in his whirling chaise sweet thoughts of a mischief done and the lady that knoweth the card she plays is counting her guineas one he lady what hola ye sinless men 
my claim ye can scarce refuse for when honest folk live on their neighbours then they encroach on the robbers dues the lady changed cheek like a bashful maid the lawyer talked wondrous fair the parson blasphemed and the courtier prayed and the robber bore off his share hurrah for the revel my steed hurrah through bush through brake go we it is ever a virtue when others pay to ruffle it merrily oh there never was life like the robbers so jolly and bold and free and its end why a cheer from the crowd below and a leap from a leafless tree this very moral lay being ended mrs slopperton declared it was excellent though she confessed she thought the sentiments rather loose perhaps the gentleman might be induced to favour them with a song of a more refined and modern turn something sentimental in short glancing towards lucy the stranger answered that he only knew one song of the kind mrs slopperton specified and it was so short that he could scarcely weary her patience by granting her request at this moment the river which was easily described from the windows of the room glimmered in the starlight and directing his looks towards the water as if the scene had suggested to him the verses he sung he gave the following stanzas in a very low sweet tone and with a far purer taste than perhaps would have suited the preceding and ruder song the wish as sleeps the dreaming eve below its holiest star keeps ward above and yonder wave begins to glow like friendship brightening into love ah would thy bosom were that stream ne'er wooed save by the virgin air ah would that i were that star whose beam looks down and finds its image there scarcely was the song ended before the arrival of miss brandon's servant was announced and her destined escort starting up gallantly assisted her with her cloak and her hood happy no doubt to escape in some measure the overwhelming compliments of his entertainers but said the doctor as he shook hands with his deliverer by what name shall i remember and lifting his reverent eyes pray for the gentleman to whom i am so much indebted you are very kind said the stranger my name is clifford madame turning to lucy may i offer my hand down the stairs lucy accepted the courtesy and the stranger was halfway down the staircase when the doctor stretching out his little neck exclaimed good evening sir i do hope we shall meet again fear not said mr clifford laughing gaily i am too great a traveller to make that hope a matter of impossibility take care madame one step more the night was calm and tolerably clear though the moon had not yet risen as lucy and her companion passed through the fields with the servant preceding them at a little distance with the lantern after a pause of some length clifford said with a little hesitation is miss brandon related to the celebrated barrister of her name he is my uncle said lucy do you know him only your uncle said clifford with vivacity and evading lucy's question i feared hem hem that is i thought he might have been a nearer relation 
there was another but a shorter pause when clifford resumed in a low voice will miss brandon think me very presumptuous if i say that a countenance like hers once seen can never be forgotten and i believe some years since i had the honour to see her in london at the theatre it was but a momentary and distant glance that i was then enabled to gain and yet he added significantly it sufficed i was only once at the theatre while in london some years ago said lucy a little embarrassed and indeed an unpleasant occurrence which happened to my uncle with whom i was is sufficient to make me remember it ha and what was it why in going out of the playhouse his watch was stolen by some dexterous pickpocket was the rogue caught asked the stranger yes and was sent the next day to bridewell my uncle said he was extremely young and yet quite hardened i remember that i was foolish enough when i heard of his sentence to beg very hard that my uncle would intercede for him but in vain did you indeed intercede for him said the stranger in so earnest a tone that lucy coloured for the twentieth time that night without seeing any necessity for the blush clifford continued in a gayer tone well it is surprising how rogues hang together i should not be greatly surprised if the person who despoiled your uncle were one of the same gang as the rascal who so terrified your worthy friend the doctor but is this handsome old place your home this is my home answered lucy but it is an old-fashioned strange place and few people to whom it was not endeared by associations would think it handsome pardon me said lucy's companion stopping and surveying with a look of great interest the quaint pile which now stood close before them its dark bricks gable ends and ivied walls tinged by the starry light of the skies and contrasted by the river which rolled in silence below the shutters to the large oriel window of the room in which the squire usually sat were still unclosed and the steady and warm light of the apartment shone forth casting a glow even to the smooth waters of the river at the same moment to the friendly bark of the house-dog was heard as in welcome and was followed by the note of the great bell announcing the hour for the last meal of the old-fashioned and hospitable family there is a pleasure in this said the stranger unconsciously and with a half sigh i wish i had a home and have you not a home said lucy with naivete as much as a bachelor can have perhaps answered clifford recovering without an effort his gaiety and self-possession but you know we wanderers are not allowed the same boast as the more fortunate benedicts we send our hearts in search of a home and we lose the one without gaining the other but i keep you in the cold and we are now at your door you will come in of course said miss brandon and partake of our evening cheer the stranger hesitated for an instant and then said in a quick tone no many many thanks it is already late will miss brandon accept my gratitude for her condescension in permitting the attendance of one unknown to her as he thus spoke clifford bowed profoundly over the hand of his beautiful charge and lucy wishing him good-night hastened with a light step to her father's side meanwhile clifford after lingering a minute when the door was closed on him turned abruptly away and muttering to himself repaired with rapid steps to whatever object he had then in view End of chapter eleven part two